Episode 236 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm managing editor Kirk Seminoff sitting in for Bill. Well, the Business Journal held its 2021 Inclusion Summit Thursday at Mark Arts. More than a dozen panelists and speakers talked about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace and the commitment needed by companies and their leaders to make it happen. This week's podcast is my interview with Jonathan McCroy, recently retired Air Force Master Sergeant, who decided to stay in Wichita and push for greater efforts for DE&I in the workplace, especially at Textron Aviation, where he now works. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Business Journal. The cover story this week looks at Wichita's startup scene and the challenges that come in getting local investors to be part of promising ideas. That story begins on page 14. This week, we have a pair of lists, minority-owned businesses and credit unions. Our story about credit unions looked at the strong asset growth they enjoyed across the board in 2020. The lists begin on page five. Our 10 minutes with guest this week is Jason Ingermanson. He has brought his JRI hospitality company to the city along with a well-placed coffee franchise near downtown. That feature is on page 23. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 23. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Jonathan McCroy is a member of several boards and organizations in the city and state, including the Kansas African Affairs Commission, Real Men, Real Heroes, a Wichita City County Council District Advisory Board, and the Kansas School for Effective Learning. He's also a graduate of Leadership Wichita, and a year ago was a Wichita Business Journal 40 Under 40 honoree. After retiring from the Air Force, he joined Textron Aviation, where he is an organization and talent development partner. Our interview began with me asking about his background of growing up in Miami as an immigrant's son. Yeah, that's right. Um, so born and raised in Miami, Florida, uh, my mother came to America uh, from Jamaica in the 1970s. So, um, <clears throat> you know, growing up in a, in a melting pot like Miami, Florida was a, was a fantastic experience. And I think, you know, that's where I developed just an appreciation for different flavors. Um, different personalities, uh, different foods, different perspectives. And how did that carry on once you joined the military? Right, so joining the military is a big adjustment for a 17-year-old, right? Um, so, you know, I, coming from Miami uh, and, and, and coming together with other uh, people who have decided to serve from different places, that was an interesting experience as well. I mean, you can imagine the conversation I had with colleagues from Wyoming and Nebraska, North Dakota, 
we, we got to really get to know each other and have some very, uh, a very colorful but energetic exchange where we can grow and kind of understand, you know, hey, this is a big city person, I'm a small per town person, but what I appreciate in those types of opportunities is, you know, having an appreciation for rural America and understanding rural America more. So, you know, that's the, that's the advantage of that, serving uh, in the United States Air Force and, and being stationed in different places. It does force you out of your comfort zone, but it forces you to have, um, you know, difficult conversations, crucial conversations. Why did you uh, decide to join the military so young? You know, so when my mother came to America from Jamaica, um, <clears throat> it's the reason why. It's, you know, what she believed in, you know, that America is the land of opportunity. If you work hard, you can succeed. And, you know, those opportunities are protected by the Constitution. And so, uh, you know, being part of an organization that would pledge their lives to preserve, defend, and protect that was just very appealing to me. Uh, you're, you're, like I said, your career went 20 years, and it ended with your retirement. Um, what what uh, experiences in the military helped you decide that, you know, working... Uh, and, and empowering people through, through leadership and working on diversity and equity and inclusion is what you want to do post-military. Sure. You know, when members of the military come together in the profession of arms, serving together, working together day in and day out in high-stress situations, we have to trust each other. We have to rely on each other's ideas and backgrounds to make progress and, and accomplish the mission. And just being able to be a part of the synergy that's created, um, the positive environment, the stronger teams, the more effective teams that's created from that, really started to build that passion in me for inclusion and diversity and witnessing the power of that in the world's greatest military. You came to Wichita in early 2017. Uh, we, we spoke earlier, and you spent three years in, in North Dakota. So what were your early impressions of Wichita? I imagine we're not North Dakota, but we're not Miami either. So what were your first impressions of what you saw in terms of diversity in, in, in Wichita? Well, it was better than North Dakota. I mean, I think... <laughs> Someone at, at the Air Force Personnel Center was, found it funny to move me from Las Vegas to North Dakota, being from Miami. Someone got a joke out of that, right? But um, first impressions of Wichita, potential. So much potential here. When you combine our location, we're within driving distance of so many things but the economic advantage, the cost of living here, it's, it's just amazing, right? It, 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 I think an article just came out the other day said we're the cheapest, one of the cheapest places to live, right? And so these kinds of things are very attractive when it comes to uh, you know, transitioning from the military and establishing or homesteading uh, in a community. Uh, another thing that really helped me 
finalized that decision to stay here is from the moment I've got, I got here, um, I was able to connect with people, you know, establishing friendships, whether that be professional or in the community. You know, I had a, a small group of mentors and friends that were very encouraging, that helped me to look at um, the different possibilities uh, that, are in, that, that, that are involved with living here. And so uh, these, these kinds of things are what really seal the deal for me when it comes to living here. And, and not to mention, I mean, all of the employers here in the region are just so supportive of the military um, that it just makes it pretty easy to make that transition here. Now, a lot of service members don't see it that way per se, but I'm a unicorn in the fact that, you know, I like to establish ties in communities and I have interests that um, a lot of my peers uh, in the military didn't have, but those interests are what helped me forge stronger relationships here. I imagine when you arrive in a city, uh, including Wichita, you see potential, and there's two ways to look at that. There's, the city has a lot of potential, but they're not living up to it, or they're not addressing it. Or you can say, this city has potential, I'm excited to help it get there. I, I, I'm imagining it was the latter for you, yeah, somewhat. Um, <clears throat> there's potential here to, to uh, implement policies, whether that be governmental policies or policies within private organizations that can be benchmarked across the country. But it requires courage. It requires discomfort. It requires us to, to question our values. And you know those are hard conversations to have. People rather not have them. You know they rather engage in performative activism, but not weave these initiatives into their strategic plans and strategic objectives. So there is room uh, to lead the way, to be early adopters on this bell curve of change where society is going. Before we leave your military career, I want to be sure to ask you. Uh, one priority that you've made now that you're a civilian is that you want to make a priority to keep people like, such as yourself, who may not be from Wichita, but served at McConnell or in Fort Leavenworth or Fort Riley in Kansas, and keep those people in Kansas once they're post-military. Why is that important, and, and how do you go about achieving that? Sure. So. This state has three large military bases, three iconic military bases between Fort Riley, Fort Leavenworth, and McConnell Air Force Base. Think of the diversity that that brings to the state. But are we doing enough as a community to establish ties with those service members? Are we knocking on the, door, on the gate and saying, hey, our community, our business, we want to connect with your airmen from the top of the chain of command all the way down? We want to host them at events. We're having career fairs. We'll send a bus to go get your airmen and bring them to our site for a site visit. We, we have to be more deliberate about how we approach those things, and we have to put the proper resources uh, behind those initiatives. Um, almost five years now for you here in Wichita. You, you mentioned first impressions. You mentioned potential. Uh, you're almost five years later. How much have we progressed in your eyes? 
I think there's been uh, good progress. We, we've been having dialogue on, on challenges. I think that uh, there's, there's change that's happening. Um, now, is it as fast as it needs to happen to where other cities can look at Wichita as leading the way in this area? I don't know, right? But that's not necessarily a bad place to be in. That means that there's opportunity, right, to set the standard for the rest of the country. There's, there's an opportunity to convince people why they should live here in, in minority communities. Um, so we have opportunity. So we've, we've made some strides here, but there's, there's opportunity to do more. And we need to continue to engage in those conversations. We need to, uh, you know, lean into that discomfort and, and look within our organizations, within our policies, within our ordinances and statutes. Are we, are we crafting these from a diversity lens? Mm -hmm. Do we have diversity at the crafting table? You, you mentioned government and the ordinances and things that cities as government can do. Uh, you know, Wichita adopted a non-discrimination ordinance recently. Uh, was that a right, a, a good step? Uh, there was controversy, you know, a little controversy about how it happened or the, the, the process. Um, talk about it as a step and what else can government do? Well, it certainly made people uncomfortable, didn't it? <laughs> right? But <clears throat> these, this is the kind of discomfort that we need to have. This is the kind of discomfort that we need to be comfortable with. Um, uh, I think it's the right step. When you think of the types of policies that a community should have to make minority communities feel safe, that's where we need to be heading, right? We need to be looking at ordinances, looking at statutes, creating the protections for minority communities to feel safe. Mm -hmm. uh Business, of course, uh, I guess this is, this is my perception, and uh, you can tell maybe business leaders, when we have a question and answer session at the end, you can weigh in on this. Um, it's my perception that, that companies of different sizes here in Wichita have been more proactive about diversity, uh, either through a, a, a diversity or inclusion department or a person in charge, uh, what are you seeing, and uh, how much more do, do corporations and companies need to address it? Sure, so you see a mix of things. You see organizations that <clears throat> name a diversity and inclusion person, but they are, for example, not reporting directly to the CEO, or they're not a part of the executive team crafting the strategic plan with a diversity lens. Um, well, that's saying we care about diversity and name only, but we're not gonna really put a team and resources behind crafting policy. And then you have some organizations that really just move the needle on that. You know, they, they uh, put the DE&I individual directly uh, in, in the proper uh, part of the org chart to really advance those initiatives. They give them a seat at the table when it comes to strategic planning. They, they resource those efforts and they keep track of them. They measure those outcomes and they adjust as needed. Um, when, when organizations do that, that's how you know that they're really committed to it. 
and not just a name. Um, after retirement from the military, you decided to go with Textron Aviation. Um, talk about your role and uh, why it was enticing or, or attractive to you. Sure. Because, you know, my role at Textron Aviation is it's a, it's a fun one. I mean, we get to develop the leadership capacity of our employees, right? But we also, uh, you know, one of our values is be human. And a tenant of that is diversity. And so we get to build talent development programming with a diversity lens. And that is just so fulfilling to have the opportunity to do that, to strengthen teams, to get teams working better together. Um, it, it was just the greatest opportunity. So it's just, it's, it's, it gives me an opportunity to live my passions, which is leadership development. And it stretches me a little bit because we get to have some really good uh, conversations that question the way we do things and that there's room for innovation in those efforts. How can you tell when a company uh, is, is doing it right? You mentioned the DE&I person reports directly to the CEO uh, or the president. Uh, are there other factors that, that show that a company is doing it well and doing it right? Sure. Um, one example is, I'll talk about Textron Aviation's ERGs. We have a host of ERGs. Um, one of our newer ones are, is called VETCOM. It's a veteran's ERG. And so uh, we, uh, they led the effort to have a, a, just a very dignified um, Veterans Day ceremony uh, not too long ago. And so... Uh, you know, it's things like that. That's how you know that organizations really are putting uh, these initiatives into play. Um, so, so that's some of the things that we're doing there in that space. But also, we have committees, we have uh, events that celebrate, you know, a whole host of, of diverse categories. So um, really just a, a, an environment that is really true to the word diversity and really just weaves that into the culture. Are there companies that just haven't addressed this well at all and, or, or at all, and is it, obviously it's not too late, but then how do they get started? Well, you know, for the companies that haven't addressed it, the way they get started is to have the conversation. Right? But it's not only about having conversation. After you, have the, after you have the conversation, then what? What are the action steps? You know, how are we going to be strategic about this? How are we going to track these initiatives? How are we going to measure their impact? You know, are they consistent with our purpose? Are they consistent with our values? Are they consistent with where society is going? And you know, businesses need to have this conversation because if they don't, uh, you know, they're going to lose out on talent. Um, you know, when we look at businesses and the efforts that they're making to recruit diverse talent, you know, they have to ask themselves questions like, you know, hey, are we meeting diverse talent where they are? Are we going into the HBCUs? Are we going into the affinity groups and saying, hey, we have these jobs. We're looking for this type of talent. But I think businesses also need to be aware that talent is looking at their senior teams and their senior authorities and looking for people that look like them. So while companies are stalking candidates on Facebook and social media, they have to know that highly qualified talent 
is stalking them in a sense, looking at their boards, looking at how diverse their boards are, looking at how diverse their senior teams are. I mean, it's not, it's not enough to say, hey, we have diversity, but everyone is at the bottom of the org chart. Uh, when we talk about DE&I, not so much at the company level, but it, it you know, it, it always seems like it, it's getting people out of their comfort zone. Uh, and that's a, that's a phrase that's talked about a lot. Uh, lean on discomfort is something you mentioned earlier. It's not very easy for a lot of people. Uh, do you have advice on, on making it easier? You know, I always like to go back to one of the Kansas Leadership Center competencies of managing self. Um, you know, we all have vulnerabilities and triggers, right? And I think that when we're able to be properly self-aware and know what those vulnerabilities and triggers are and know how to manage those, now we're prepared to have a productive conversation. We're prepared to raise the heat, but in a productive way to make progress. Because this is not an overnight thing. This is a long-term challenge. So you're not going to solve it overnight, but you have to be making progress on it. And so that's why measuring these outcomes are so important. Measuring the impact of these initiatives are crucial. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 236. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe and have a profitable week.